Most leaders set out to be transparent, but it can be hard to measure if you truly are a transparent leader. Here's a checklist we've put together to help you assess if you're on the right track. One, are you candid, honest, and do you genuinely express your thoughts and opinions? Two, does the message you're delivering remain the same, regardless of the audience? Three, do you tell the truth? Four, when you can't divulge information, do you let people know why you can't disclose the information at that time? Five, do you consistently keep commitments? Six, do you handle your own defeats well, owning them and not blaming others? Seven, do you ask good questions, listen to the answers, and remain open to new ideas? Eight, do you value the feedback of others? And nine, do you frequently ask others working with you, how am I doing? Or what can I do to better support you? After this episode, you might be able to answer those questions rather easy. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, we are back on. It has been well over a month since we've talked even. I mean, that's a while, bro. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we usually don't go this long. Yeah, that's what transitioning does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A transitioning has happened for for me. Um, but hey, before we get into something I want to kind of like talk about uh, before we actually get into actual show, you told me this killer story. It sounded like a National Lampoon's moment for you. You went to Budapest with the wife. Yes, I did. Right. <laughs> and you guys, you did the massage thing, got a nice massage. But then you said something. You said something about this big soaking tub. Yeah. Something. Can you tell the audience what happened, man? So we went to this, um, it's called the St. Gellert Bath in Budapest. It opened up, it's like World War I era, but the, the mineral baths in Budapest and the thermal baths, they're all dating back like Ottoman Empire type of stuff. So it's my wife's birthday, so I set up a massage. First one either of us would have ever had in our lives. And then you go there and you have to check in an hour before your massage. Well, for the fee, you get access to the thermal baths, the mineral baths all day. And there are like 13 baths to include outdoor where people are still going out there. It was a little chilly for me, but people are going out there just soaking and stuff. So uh, we were there. We checked in. We had some time. So we decided, hey, let's go. You know, we're going to check out these mineral baths. So Tam and I go. And they're like, if you imagine, it's like a full-size pool. And then at the end of the pool, there's a walkway. And on the other side of the walkway, there's this like, half circle bathing area where people just kind of sit like the walls of it are all lined up with uh, seats. So we go in there and it it was crowded, like, you know, not standing room only crowded, but it was, it was pretty crowded. So Tam and I find this spot in the corner. Well, over the spot is this very decorative uh, lion head. And, you know, we've seen it like, would you, would you consider it majestic? It, it was majestic until uh, the, the, the payoff of the story. Um, so <laughs> this thing, so we had seen when we first got in a tub, you know, it was kind of like spitting out a little bit of water. Like 
Like if you turn on your kitchen sink, like it was just a little bit, you know? So Tam and I go over to the corner and we're over there and, you know, it's our birthday. So we're doing the flirty splash each other thing. Ha ha. And she's sitting on the stool and I'm facing her and I go to say something and the lion head opened up with flood waters that would have made Noah build another ark. This thing, <laughs> at least that's how I felt when it hit me right in the face mid sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so it was at this moment that I realized humor knows no boundaries when it comes to language because everybody in that pool laughed at me and there was like, you know, you had Italians, you had Hungarians, you had who knows in this pool, these different people people speaking different languages, and I got a lot of laughs for my uh, splash oh. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wanted to snatch my wife off her seat and dunk her for that because I I, I got a shot there. So and the water it's it's naturally heated, so it's not like this. Is, we're not talking cold water here. We're talking like warm, like wa- like my skin yeah. is red when I get out of it. Water right in the face. So, oh yeah, wow! Thanks, Brian, for having me share that. <laughs> yeah, that's insane, man. So you, I take yeah, it, it I I take it you all had a great time there. Uh, so I have been to Paris, Rome, London, you know, several cities, Berlin, all these capitals, plus in the States, Toronto, Montreal. Mm-hmm. Budapest is probably one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen, especially at night when it's all lit up. Uh, lots of history there. They have a citadel that overlooks the city uh, that at one point the Germans actually occupied it during World War II because you, it's a mountain. It's a hill. You you couldn't just go up it. You to get them out of there. Um, yeah. Vlad the Impaler at some point spent some time there in the dungeons and the catacombs in Budapest. But we, we squeezed, like my wife is very good at planning and, and we squeezed in, we did the, the two bus tours cause they're, you know, one pavement, but you get two tours, but we also got the river cruise tour. So we did that, um, which was excellent because the parliament is beautiful in Budapest, but from the water, it's something else. It's all lit up and, uh, we did the Buddha castle. We did the Citadel. We did the baths. Like we did wow. a lot, man, but we had some, that's awesome. Just, we went to this place called hero square and we were hungry and we we're like, Hey, look at that little place. That looks like a little restaurant. It's cold. Let's go in there. And, uh, went in there and had our first bowl of Hungarian goulash, which it's not what we think about in the States, at least where I grew up, you know, we think about pasta and all this stuff, kind of like a spaghetti dish, but goulash is, it's really a soup. So we had Hungarian goulash. It was so good that my wife came home and ordered authentic Hungarian paprika so that she can try to recreate that dish. And I'm also using these terms like recreate the dish because uh, I am currently on quarantine because somebody at the conference <laughs> that was at was uh, positive for the COVID-19. And we have watched two seasons of MasterChef this week on quarantine. <laughs> yeah, well, you've done more than that because I've been I've been uh, monitoring your progress upon the well, actually your wife is progress on the Lego situation. And it seems like you guys I'm not sure how much money you've invested in Legos. You may want to start uh, looking at stock options yeah. <laughs> um, just so you can get you can you can uh, recoup some of the money you spent in all the Legos because I know those things aren't cheap. I've got kids and they got Legos and they are expensive. Well, it looks like she's done more than me, but I'm also building the anniversary Batmobile. Uh, and it is which I'm jealous of. It is first of all, it's almost it's two and a half feet long. 
about about two and yep. a half. It is huge and it is an undertaking. So when you open up Legos and they have the numbered bags, like this thing is like 25 bags of parts. Like wow. Yes. And I have been working on it all week. Almost every day I've done a couple of bags and I am still only at like the 15th bag. <laughs> wow, man. That's but then you know those are the kind of projects I like though. You know what I mean? Like you're not just hurried up and done. You actually got to pace yourself because if not, you're going to get burnt out, you know? Oh man, it is. Yeah. Because you're, you know, the, the way the wheels move, you're, you're, you know, you're, it moves off the steering wheel. So you, with the Lego, you're making that wheel move and you're doing all this other little stuff. That's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I've been very busy. I started doing time-lapse videos of it and then I just got tired of messing with the GoPro to do them. <laughs> But I do have some for the first half of it. And then maybe like the last five bags, I'll do another one and then I'll mesh them together and uh, I'll put them on my Facebook probably. Well, hey, so it's funny you brought up the time lapse. I actually did a time lapse videos of the drive from Fort Campbell to Fort Carson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to kind of piece that together. Um, I I went through multiple batteries. Uh, I even I went online and bought this little uh, three prong. It's this little charger. It does three batteries at once, and it came with three extra batteries. Man, I was I was blowing through batteries, man. Like I was every time we stop and rest, I had to change out a battery. But it I, but I also set the frame rate um, to like point zero five uh, picture every half a second because I really wanted to capture as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. So that and it's crazy too. Yeah, yeah. Because that's probably like, you know, like an hour is maybe like, not even ten minutes of video. Not like, even. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna work on piecing it all together. Maybe I mean I still have I mean my GoPro sitting over there on the in the uh, in a box. So I'll I'll get that together <laughs> when I get time. You know, I mean obviously we all have, seem to have time on our hands lately um, because of everything that's been going on. Uh, you know and. So you talked, you told us about your Budapest trip. You told us about your lockdown situation. You're very transparent in your life. So I want to be transparent in my life right now. And I am stuck in a dilemma, Ed. Ed, have you ever had an appliance? Let's just say, I don't know, a washing machine that goes out. Okay. It is the worst thing ever. And I'm going to tell you right now. my So our washing machine is acting crazy. And I'm, I'm at that point where I was thinking, I was like, I really wish they were more transparent like you could see inside them you could see the problems that's going on you could oh. see you could see the communication of the the leads uh you know like is this receiving this electrical signal so it sends it this is the timer functioning proper so everything else would be functioning um is the there's sensors that that sense how much water is in it like is that is that doing so there are so many because it won't it won't go beyond a certain point and i was like man that makes so much sense to what we're talking about today. Because if you think about a washing machine, it's encased, right? It's got all these little yeah. components inside, up in the top part in the board, it down inside the tub, down underneath it, you know, all kinds of stuff. And you feel, you almost feel helpless because if you don't know this system or you don't know how to repair it, you're you're searching for all these options on how to make things work. How to Okay, how do I check this? Or where do I start? Do I start at this end or do I start at this end? And you're doing all this troubleshooting to figure it out. But if you could just see it or you could just, you know, you understood it better, I feel like it would help if it was transparent, right? And and that's kind of what we're getting into, man. And that's what I was kind of like, I told you I didn't want to bring it up yet because 
when we were talking before the show, because I'm, you know, to me, that's how I feel right now with that particular problem. But I thought, man, that relates to what we're going to talk about today and about being transparent and all the different steps and stuff we're going to go into. Hmm. Yeah, no, actually, you know, they used to, if you went to like, uh, so I, I've said before, I sold appliances when I lived in Canada for a little while. And I think it was Maytag used to have like a, a display model and it was a transparent washer. And it was the coolest thing. And then that made me think of, you remember like we used to get like transparent telephones? Yeah, yeah, you could see remember the inside that, like, of them. And it would glow, and it was like the coolest thing because it made you understand better the object because it was transparent. And yeah. I think that plays really nicely into what we're talking about today as well. But even, okay, so let's look at it this way. Even with that object that's transparent, though, you can't see everything going on in it because you can't see the actual electrical charge going from this little diode to mm. this little thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, So there's still things you can't see in that transparency that is communicated, you know? It's, it's okay. Yeah. No, it, that's true. It just, it, to me, it, that's kind of like, that's where I was, you know, and I thought to myself, man, how much is that going to relate to this show? And it's like everyday life things that happen to you and I, it seems like that's what, we're, that's mostly what we connect stuff to. And it's funny how, you know, I'm just dealing with this this morning. Like literally I got up early this morning to go tear off the backside of my washing machine. I think I'm prob- I'm probably at the point though, Ed, where I'm just gonna go buy a new one. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. But it may be time. You probably had I guarantee you've had that washing machine probably ten years. Um the dryer is oh goodness, the dryer we bought, I wanna say we got that one when we still lived in Ohio when I was recruiting. I left recruiting in two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah. So, so that dryer time. Man. Yeah, that dryer, that dryer's thirteen years old. And the washer, she actually replaced that during our last deployment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that stings a little. But, but but you know what's funny, though? It, it's, this is a crazy thing. You go to my in-law's house, they still have the same washer and dryer that they've had since the early 80s. Same washer and dryer. Yeah. Still works great. We we know all products were always made better. We're a more disposable uh, society now than yeah. what they were, you know, than... Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was meant to when you bought when you bought a car back then. It was meant to last you twenty years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now it's meant for you to make the last payment. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, hey, so Ed, let's let's dive right into this, man. We're talking about transparency, so influence is transparency, and I can't stress enough how important this is. Um, before we started, before you know that we actually kicked it off right in the beginning of the show, the intro, I read off those questions. Did when you? When you look at those questions, did any one of those uh, stick out to you? Uh, like, just like, bam. Yeah. What What do you think? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew you were going to ask that. And I was kind of, so I was kind of looking at them and going, yes, no to myself. Right. You know, there are some things that, uh, you know, I, all right, one, I, I don't handle defeat well, but I also don't do the blaming others thing. Mm-hmm. I learned my time at the academy to ask better questions but you know i think these are situational to me sometimes you know you're open to new ideas but in certain situations you're not you know this isn't the time for a radical change you may be cold or closed off so that's what i kind of looked at when i looked at these uh this checklist that you provided right is where, where do i fit and i mean you know i could say oh i'm an instinctive influencer and i checked yes to everything but that's just not the no case. no yeah, I, I, I can tell you right now, some of those things I don't even, I'm, I'm not very uh, fond of myself. Like, for instance, the very last one, when I said something about you're asking a question, 
how am I doing? I don't like to ask people, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. But I do like to ask them, what can I do to help support you better? You know what I mean? So I, I, I often feel like you can, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. I feel like I can sense the, how am I doing? by our conversations you know what i mean like that inter that uh, interpersonal communication kind of helps me feel that because obviously you're staying distance and you don't want me around obviously i'm not doing a good enough job it kind of that but then again who knows yeah as so the one that i have i have an issue with is actually the first one brian are you candid honest and do you generally express your thoughts and opinions so sometimes the opinion one is the one that i kind of am like you know you know, we're taught to back up doctrine. Everything we do is doctrine uh, provided to us in the military. So sometimes my opinion of that doctrine may not line up with the doctrine. So I just kind of keep it to myself, you know, so I don't always express uh, my, my opinion. I, I I will say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And then, you know, if that group, that section, whatever decides to go a different direction and so be it. But yeah, that's the one opinions is kind of iffy for me. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing. You you said right there in the beginning when you were talking about it, that, you know, this isn't always a hit. I have to check every block here. Sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. And it depends upon the situation because there are those times like where it says when you can't divulge information, do you let the people know why you can't disclose the information at that time? Well, in our line of work, sometimes we cannot do that, period. You you can't say anything, and you know what that's like, especially with what you've been doing. I think that it just depends, but I personally believe that if you're able to kind of hit this and say, okay, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at all of these, or I'm able to do these, and I've had this done, I do believe that you're hitting that mark of being more transparent. Yeah, no, that's that that's that's right. I mean, and I mean, it is good to be transparent. I think we're going to talk a lot about that today and, oh, absolutely. and discuss that with each other and share that information mm-hmm. with our audience. Absolutely. Then let's jump right into this. We're, those of you out there listening, we're going to dive into two different areas. The first is going to be five areas and how you know or, or what can happen when you become more transparent. And then the four area or the four parts of the second area is how to become more transparent. It's, I mean, it's, it's simple, but at the same time, you find yourself falling into different trenches and not, and not looking above the trench to say, Oh, I know what I'm doing. You know, that type of thing. So we're going to hit across this. Number one, problems are solved faster when you become more transparent and employees, they, they basically learn more about one another and they can grow to work towards solving problems faster when their leaders are more transparent. The way I see it, by being open and honest about company problems, the employees or organizations like uh, the military, whatnot, but those employees or soldiers or sailors, airmen, Marines, whatever, they can help find those solutions. And nothing is better than saying, hey, guys, let's sit down. Let's talk this over. This is the issue. What do you think? I mean, you've, I know you've done that before, Ed. What did you get from it? So it's funny, Brian, that you, you say that because that's something that, um, you know, we worked in those small groups when we were at the academy together. And when I was a senior, that was something I, I felt like every section should have been doing. Every platoon, you you have those four um, staff sergeants or three, and you pull them into the group for whatever that problem is. So especially man, with the manning issues that we had at the time, you know, being short. So these are the tasks, you know, you could lay out. These are the tasks we got to get done. 
like how how are we gonna you know how are we gonna skin the cat and then that's when you rely on that experience because those are the ones in the classroom at that point Mm -hmm. but you rely on that experience to say hey i got this and this i can do this and this oh i'm teaching this morning but this afternoon i can fill water cans whatever the, the the issue is and that builds that first of all builds capital because you're showing your trust in them but i think it builds the trust from them from you know that you're building your trust in them and they're building trust in you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that when you, when you come together like that and you're transparent about the problem that it, it just allows for uh, a group consensus to kind of guide the decision-making process. Absolutely, man. And, and it goes back to the old saying, and, and people have heard it many times before of the whole two heads are better than one. If I have multiple individuals helping out, for a solution because I'm transparent in the problem, then I'm probably going to get a lot more ideas or ideas that are coming from different directions that I may not think of uh, in my current situation. And people may say, well, that's easy. Yeah, we'll just get people together. No, you can't always do it that way either because you can't always add everybody into the situation. You, you said it right there alone when we were at the academy. I when I had a bigger problem as say as the branch chief, I couldn't get every single cadre involved. You knew what it was like. And many listeners who uh, were there with us know what it was like. If you got all of them in Courtney Hall and we all sit there and we said, okay, here, just one problem. Here's the problem. You would spend 45 minutes debating that one problem. And you're like, we ain't got that kind of time. No, and I think the other thing, so you're talking about not having that kind of time, but at the same time, we also don't have, you know, at, at our level, uh, you know, we always say, hey, make decisions at the lowest level possible because we don't have time to send that problem all the way up the chain of command, wait for them to, you know, develop their courses of actions and, and then send it back down to you what to do. So you need to find a way to expedite the process to make it quicker and you know, your transparency allows decision-making at the lowest level. If your section understands what the problem is, your work group understands the problem mm, better. Yes. And then even if you do have to kick it up to the chain, up the, you know, up the chain of command, well, because of my transparency, my people can provide me courses of action and I can go to the boss and say, Hey, this is the problem. These are the three courses of actions we've come up with. What are your thoughts? And then that that will expedite that process, even though we took it to the top, because some things do have to go to the top based on their scope. Right. So I think that allows you to do that. If I show up to you, you know, you've always said, Brian, if you come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. Well, maybe I can't come to you with that one solution because I need your input, your influence, but I can come to you with three possible. Yeah. And then maybe we can pick one of those three or you could use your expertise to morph those three and come up with one that combines multiple pieces of each. Exactly. And it, once again, it all falls back on that transparency and that communication process. But let's not stall here. What's that next one we're going to talk about, Ed? Oh, I, I love this one. And I really think this this has made me think of a, a book that I, I've been wanting to read, uh, Team of Teams. Oh, yeah. Teams are built easier. Transparency is a powerful unifier, but team building through transparency takes shapes when the leader of a team can openly discuss what he believes are the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And and I 
that's that's a challenging thing. I don't think that's as easy as it is to read it, say it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, you know, so like you, Brian, you're getting ready to move into a new position. And and I don't, for me personally, I don't think you can come in the door and immediately get this kind of um, comfort where you can say, hey, these are your strengths and weaknesses. But in six months, you know, four months, six months, I think that, yeah, okay, now you've got that comfort level with them. You've built some leadership capital with the organization. They trust you. That's when I think that um, you can use transparency to openly discuss strengths and weaknesses. Because I think a lot of leaders, especially if they want to be better leaders, they're going to welcome that kind Mm -hmm. of feedback anyway. Yeah. And, you know, Ed, so I love what you said there. And that falls back onto what we brought up when we were talking about our leader tools. Uh, My very first one that I brought up was basically observing and questioning. And so I think that goes hand in hand to this whole building better teams and where you had what you just said there about the leader of a team can openly discuss what he believes or she believes are the strengths and weaknesses of the team. If I'm observant and I'm asking the right questions, I can make the assessments as that leader or or not even that leader, just as a person within that organization to say, okay, I'm seeing this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then I can ask those questions and say, okay, what are we doing about this? Why is this like this? Because maybe they have a viable answer, you know, and that's going to help. Yeah. That's going to help build that team a little easier because now they feel like, wow, he wants to talk to me. He just, we just want to communicate versus, Instead, I see something and I just say, nope, we're going to do it this way from now on. That builds nothing whatsoever. Nothing. So I think that the other strength of this type of transparency, Brian, so we talked about, you know, discussing strengths and weaknesses with that team, right? Well, when you're open like that, that also enables discussion, which then feeds into, we talked about before on the show, talent management, because through identifying those strengths and weaknesses, the communication with the team, it's going to allow you to start putting people in the positions yeah. um, based off of your understanding of their strengths and weaknesses and, and their performance to mm. better enable the organization to meet whatever its end state is. So, you know, when you get there and you're the new first sergeant, you're not going to know that this guy has been sitting here or gal and they would be great as my H my headquarters platoon sergeant. But then once you identify strengths and weaknesses and you're like, man, they're really organized. They're very good Mm. with the soldier, you know, Oh, maybe this would be a strong candidate for this position. Mm -hmm. And that would make my, I would now I don't have to worry about my headquarters because I know the platoon sergeant there has what it takes. And all this is coming off of just being, um, you know, the transparency and how it builds a team. Exactly. And it's, and that's what I think, that's why I think it's so amazing about being transparent that it, what it does is, and we're going to, we're probably going to use this word multiple times. I know we're going to use it here and the point number four, and we're going to use it when we get into how to create it. But trust, trust is the key. It's the key thing in the whole thing. Trust does drive uh, the whole thing. And, and I think that what goes in here too, Brian, is when we talk about um, the building the team, I think that the transparency enables your team to feel more comfortable with the engagement process and being engaged with you as their, their, you know, their leader, their, whatever, their um, squad leader, their boss, whatever. And that that engagement then helps you have that understanding, you know, of, of who who's in my organization. So I think you being transparent then leads them to be transparent 
and mm-hmm. it just builds that trust, you know, that we talked about and are going to talk about here so shortly. Exactly. So do we want to get into that next one? Uh, you want to talk about relationships? Grow I think we should. Yeah. I mean, please don't just. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'll get into this one, my man, because I'm oh, pretty okay. excited about it. But I jumped but, the gun. Well, before I get into that, I, I want to say that I think this is you and I. Number three is you and I. We, because we were able to be transparent with each other. There was no, there was no faking the funk with each other, right? We're, we're candid. We were honest. It didn't matter what our rank was. We talked to each other, right? Yeah, that's right. I told you that mustache was disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go back to that. My wife continually reminds me that no matter what (laughs) I leave, I'm not allowed to come back with one of those. Um, (laughs) But number three is, Ed, that relationships grow authentically. And I feel like when you have an authentic, more of an authentic relationship, it only helps like solidify that bond, right? It helps, it helps like grow, not grow, but like basically mesh together to where it's, it's interlocking and it doesn't pull apart easy, right? So you, you know, you and I, we, I know we've disagreed upon things. I know we, you know, I know for a fact we have, and, and we went, we, we may have got a little, I don't think we've actually got mad at each other or maybe we just didn't no. show it, but, no. huh? No, I don't think we, no, I don't think it's gone that far, but, but you may have not liked a decision I had, or I may not like something that you did, but it didn't tear us apart because how authentic our relationship grew. And one of the things they say is, you know, that, and I've been reading this over and over again, a lot of different articles that I, I've got into, um, you know, whether it be when I was doing my, uh, my schooling and whatnot, or just articles on the side that I mean, but talk about employees. They don't just quit their jobs. They're actually quitting their bosses because they don't like how they're treated. And that made a lot of sense to me. So I think back, I think about to years of being in the army. Um, you, you, you've, you're what? 20,000 years now you've been in the army. I think you uh, 22 as of March 12th. And I hit 22 in in uh september so you look at that you think about back all those leaders that you had how many times was there the attitude not only of you or or also those that you're working with or or even seniors to you or peers to you or whatever it is where they were like i can't wait to go to the next place and a lot of it was because of the person they were working for you know yes that's that comes down that comes out of that transparency is part of that. It's not all of it. It's part of it. Yeah, but at the same time, too, how many times have you run into those same people and they're like, oh, my God, I miss that unit so much. Like, mm-hmm. so some yeah. of it is, you know, but yes, you're right. I was just thinking when you said, you know, how people leave jobs uh, for a poor opinion of their boss, right, about their boss's performance. Man, you know how many times I'd have had to leave my job over my military career? <laughs> oh, I, I get you. I don't left my job a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because it's true. And I think that maybe some of it is, I think, our system, which has been changed a lot lately for the promotion system. But I really feel like uh, for us, at least in my experience, a lot of leaders, they make it, you know, they make it top, make it somewhere. And then they just forget where they came from. and. Uh, you know, oh, I've achieved this goal, so now it doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And their their care factor goes away as senior leaders, and that's not going to grow a relationship with your your subordinate leaders. I think it's more important for somebody to say to you, 
I think here in a few years, Brian, you know, you go and you do whatever, and let's 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 just say you do get promoted. I think the more important thing is the day you retire for somebody to walk up to you and and say, "Hey, Sergeant Major, I I did not know you were going to retire," and you're there. And meanwhile, they're at your retirement ceremony. That that speaks volumes to me because it's saying that you never let your performance change. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Over time and space. You know what I mean? Like your performance level stayed the same and that grows that authentic uh, leadership within the subordinates that to me, you know, and we always talk about leaving the organization better than you found it and not being, you know, being able to just leave the organization and not really make a big deal about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that somebody walking up to me on my retirement day and say, I didn't know you were retiring. I think that is clutch. Yeah, I yeah, I think it speaks volumes, but then you gotta get after it again, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> now uh yep. It's, so it's <laughs> unfortunately so it's funny because when you say that, he's like, Hey, uh I, I've ran into those same people who are ready to leave, but then they're like, I miss that old unit. So careerbuilder.com, right? They have done surveys and whatnot. And there's this one survey I found, it talked about, they basically surveyed 3,008 people. And of that 3,008 people, 37% of those people surveyed, they were likely to leave their jobs due to a poor opinion about their boss's performance. And that is equated to the transparency of that boss, right? So transparency, basically it brings people together uh, that have not yet discovered one another. That's one of the things it does. So it's building that teams that we talked about earlier. Uh, it is also important to note that transparency allows relationships to mature faster. If I know you, you know me, we're able to connect quicker. And we uh, with basically that openness, it can potentially avoid the, uh, the misunderstandings that we could have down the road that could basically fuel unnecessary tension. I've seen that before where people won't go to a leader and now it turns into, here's an example. Have you ever had a point in your life, Ed, that you literally had an entire argument in your head driving down the road with somebody else? Uh, is this post or pre-argument? Either either one. Either one. Because maybe you didn't. Oh, I've definitely had the post. The, the I should have said. Yeah. Or they said this, I should have responded with. I've definitely had those. Uh, arguments, uh, not an argument, but I know when I knew when I came to your office, I used to kind of play how the discussion would go in my head because I, I was, <laughs> I had that, I had that connection with you that could kind of be like, right. okay, if I say this, he's going to ask this, and then his follow-on is going to be this, so I need to be prepared. So I was trying to, you know, at least prepare for the first four questions to whatever it was I came into you to talk about. Right. And then after that, I'd have to wing it. <laughs> so, so, but you, in a sense though, you're, I think that, uh, that says to me about the transparency of our relationship that you knew me well enough that you could war game through it a little bit to help the situation in a sense, go the direction you were looking for. But yeah, but let's back that up. Let's back that up. Let's not say let's not say that the argument was with me. Maybe it was with somebody else. Um, we had a particular individual. You know who I'm talking about. I used to use the term the last sergeant. Oh. Were there times that you did not want to have that argument with him because of the situation, and instead you just had it completely to yourself? Uh, yes, because uh, one was the rank structure of the military. 
and uh, because he outranked me then, um, you know, I I would be a little more passive with him because he was to me that he was the type of leader that. So same same platoon, the lieutenant in that platoon, I could disagree with and have an argument with, and we would eventually come to some common ground and it would be over, mm-hmm. no consequence or anything. But that person was the type of leader that if you did that with him, as soon as he didn't like what you were saying, then it could turn into some kind of attempt at disciplinary action or, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, no, I, I definitely had many arguments sitting in my desk in my head that I did not want to voice to him. Right. So you, would you, let me ask you this then, would you think that that particular situation would have created a less open dialogue which could lead to misunderstandings and build tensions between you uh yes absolutely because we already had a bunch of tension between us and i do think that it would have only i think it would have been worse if i said something i know this person just like almost as much as you do right i dealt with them too would you if you were to say that person was transparent let's do a scale zero or one to ten ten being very transparent one being not transparent where would you put that person on that scale I have a number in head. I'm I'm just curious to see what your number is. I I'd probably say about the two to three range. You're kidding me. I said three in my head. Yeah, he's about the two to three because he he was transparent about certain things, but yes, yeah, yeah, no. And I knew uh, him. I knew him as a peer. You knew him as a, you were technically a subordinate, but you were put in a peer situation though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but that tells that to me, that's that whole relationship growth, authentically having a, a relationship. We, he and I, we're two, in a sense, two equals. Not even close. Your relationship with him versus your relationship with me, two different things. Uh, so at that point in my career, Brian, I can tell you for people of that rank, I had never been treated uh, as subordinate as I was by that person in my entire career. Really? I've always, you know, I've I've always been treated more of an equal um by by the rank above me, but that for him, he's the only one I can honestly say ever that treated me like that. Hmm. And but we could always go into there we could hit upon multiple things with what we felt was not right about him and his situation or who he was as a leader. But we could definitely say together that a, a level of transparency was what was lacking. Yes, yeah, that that yeah, that's a fact, and it, and it may have went a long way to help if uh, there was that transparency. So absolutely, and that is what's leading me into number four, which you're going to handle. I will handle <laughs> <laughs> number four is people begin to promote trust in their leaders when leaders are transparent, people can be much more objective in evaluating the pros and cons about their leaders. If you are transparent during the worst of times, you actually strengthen your leadership as people begin to trust you as per as person and thus will respect you more as a leader. Remember this employees have trusted their leaders in the past, but after their leader becomes transparent, their employees are now more willing to promote trust in their leader with others. This eliminates any pre preconceived judgments that others may have had of their leader whose transparency they had yet to experience. So very important here, Brian. I'm going to read you something. I want to see if you, uh, I want to see if you remember where this is from. When our leaders 
only share good news, good financial results, wins, strengths, and opportunities, we know we're only getting half the picture. It's a lie by omission. You know where it's from? Some reason, I think that's like Jocko. I don't know why. It's not. The lie part, but it's either Jocko or Simon. It is from. What is it? It is from the chapter Reveal Everything, Even Salaries. In the book, Great oh. Leaders Have No Rules by Kevin Cruz. So when I was prepping for this, <laughs> I immediately thought of that quote for some reason, and I went and looked. Yeah. And 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 what it's saying, it's a lie by omission. Okay, well, there went to the trust, because we already know yeah, the majority yeah, yeah. of people will tell you, once I catch you lying to me, that's it. There's no trust. Um, yeah. And, and so when I when I saw this, I definitely thought about it because actually the the part of the that starts that quote off, it says that uh, transparency drives trust, which drives engagement. And we talked about engagement in earlier um, examples as well, Brian. So, yeah, I just thought that that was very important. You know, we can't only share the good news. We got to share the bad news, too, because when you stand up and you say, so I'm, I'm going to take you back. I don't know if you remember Command Sergeant Major Sayatola. He was the third core star major he was the first cav star major and he was the blackjack star major he went on and worked at the pentagon i forget what his position was but he was general ojernio's star major right right okay so you get to to fort Irwin, california right there in the great desert right we get off the plane he is the blackjack star major the second brigade first cavalry division star major and instead of going out here and giving this rousing speech about all the great training, he literally says to them, it is hot. This is going to suck, but we're going to get through it. And I think that instead of giving only good news and being honest with the soldiers and saying, hey, this is going to suck, it's what it is. I think he built a trust in that organization that they went out at NTC and they, uh, they excelled in the training. Um, NTC being the National Training Center. I think that, that I think that his transparency and he, you know, we always think, oh, you know, he's in the talk or the, the tactical operations center. It's not going to suck for him. But he openly says, listen, I know it's going to suck, but we got to do it. Yep. It's just what we got to do. Yes. And I think that's one of the things why he as a leader has always stood out for me. He he spoke at my uh my graduation for PLDC, Primary Leadership Development Course. And it was the same kind of stuff. Uh, he didn't say what was popular. He said what was true. And that gives you that trust. Yeah. And, and here we're talking, at that point, we're talking about the core SAR major. We're talking about a guy with divisions under him. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, but he was very transparent as a leader. And, and it made you trust him. I think I think that says to also of what he's recognizing that his, that his, uh, his team, what they're going through. Right. He's not just saying, oh, you guys are going to get the job done. He's actually saying, hey, it is hot. This is one of the things you're going through. I know we're not going to like it, but we got to make it happen. Right. So he's identifying. And, and that's that's a um, that's a broad one. And there's been, I think, multiple things that have happened to say both of us throughout the where we've seen that before. And when I when I have a leader that recognizes the issues, but then wants to discuss it. I feel like I have more confidence in that leader. I agree. And I know we've been off for a while, Brian, but cue up the commercial. Uh, the bearded ninja was very transparent when we faced any kind of 
um, you know, a tough road ahead, whether it be doing evaluations or prepping new course material. The Bearded Ninja. Have you ever been walking through a desert? Nothing but the glisten of the sun upon your head. Bald. No hair, but that beard is just full and ready to help you tame the world. Well, that's what it means to use the Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb. That's the Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb made from snake venom and pomade. You can get it never. So, but the Bearded Ninja was transparent. <laughs> he was very open to tell you, hey, this is going to suck, but this is what we got to do. Hey, you know, uh, the accreditation's coming and it's going to take hours to, you know, to make sure we're ready. But, hey, we're going to get through it together. You know, and then he would hit you with his famous quote There's nobody shooting at us. Just. Loved it. It's okay. <laughs> but he was a transparent guy, and, and I, I appreciated that from him. Yep, yep, exactly. And that's I think that's why uh, you and I have respected him for so long. Uh, it wasn't – I mean, he did – he was kind of – I mean, he was in charge of your section that you were working with him. But, he, one, he treated you like a peer. He never – he never – I don't ever think I got the idea that he was in charge because he said he was in charge. I, I don't no. I, I no. did because I knew he was the position is in, but he always treated you like a peer. And I think that that was part of his transparency too. You know, and not only was it, you know, he, he didn't do things just to make you happy. He did things because one, that was part of his job. And so he was getting the job done, but he knew how to do so in a manner that let's conversate about this. What do you think? And he accepted others opinions, which that's part of being transparent. So uh, but with that, Ed, would you say that there was a higher level of performance because of that? I, you mean from me as an individual? Anybody that worked with him or for him? I, so I, I mean, all right. I will say, I can't believe I want to say this. Of the people I knew to work with him, for him, however you want, I think that everybody was. I think the majority, we'll say the majority, were performers uh, for what he wanted done. Now, did some people procrastinate and take longer because they were distracted? Yes. <laughs> were some were some a little rougher around the edges that he had to deal with? <laughs> yes. Very. But his leadership style allowed him to overcome those challenges. And, you know, there was a reason that he handpicked who went and worked for him to yeah. include the two that's there now he picked them because he knew that they could perform under that kind of pressure. And, uh, and he knew that they had more to offer. He recognized potential and knew he could get more out of them. And, and I think his transparency as a, as a, I want to say a leader. I mean, he was a leader at some point he was in the military and he was a leader of that, that piece of the organization. So yeah, I think that transparency, his transparent leadership just, he he got the best out of you without you even realizing it most of the time. Exactly. And that leads me to number five, Ed. Number five being higher levels of performance emerge, right? Transparent leadership results in employees who understand the vision, so they know what we're supposed to be doing, and how their efforts help achieve the overall goals of the organization, whether it be, you know, a civilian or a military. If I understand, because... Uh, he's transparent of what the goal needs to be. Then I know where one, maybe what my tasks need to be and how to communicate them back to him of possible 
roadblocks, possible courses of action. The transparency thing, it's creating this trust, but also it's open communication dialogue, which we're going to talk about this stuff uh, when we get down to how to be more transparent. But this is what I thought was funny. And this is a little bit older. This is a little bit dated. The Harvard Business Review, they, uh, they did a 2013 employee engagement survey, right? It revealed in that that 70% of those surveyed say they're most engaged when the senior leadership continually updates and communicates company strategy. So each of the preceding points, it helps build upon one another, if you think about it, right? Yeah. It helps us reach that 70, you know, if, if 70% surveyed out of this, and, and I didn't get, I found this information, but I didn't get the actual total number that was surveyed. But 70%, Say they're most engaged when the senior leadership continually updates and communicates. That transparency helps them. Not only does it help them want to communicate, but also want to do better to help elevate uh, the levels they're at. This is naturally, it takes us, basically it takes us on, you know, all kinds of different things. There's actually a formula that uh, I found in here. It talked about efficient problem solving plus the ability to build teams easier plus the development of authentic relationships plus trust equals higher levels of performance, right? So if we continuously do these things or, or we're meeting those things, we're going to see the end state. Let's think about it this way, Ed. How often do you think you've seen where people are just worried about the end state, the upper tier leaderships of whatever organization you're part of, all they cared about was the performance at the end versus caring about all the process through or the people within that was a failure in a sense yeah so that's kind of i mean it's a little bit difficult because so to some point you do want them to really focus on the end state because so i mean it depends on how high up you go so for you if you're my platoon star i want you to tell me what your desired end state is right and then i want you to take the handcuffs off and let me go to reach that end state through my leadership because that's decentralized command at that point, right? You're letting me, but at the same time, you can't lose focus of where we are in the process in state. So that's why when you're in, in on staff, like for instance, like I'm on staff now, that's why we do, um, you know, we do updates to our commanding general once a week because he's not involved in the planning process. He just knows I need this to happen. Where are we in meeting that goal? Mm-hmm. And then if you're having any kind of pushback, so, hey, I'm trying to do this, this, and this with the Germans, but I'm not getting a response from the the joint staff, then that's where he will get his staff involved to try to push on the joint staff of the Germans to get what you need. That's what you want them to do. I want you to be there if I need you, but I want you to give me your in-state and let me roll with it. So now when, when that when a senior leader loses focus of that end state or doesn't get those updates, that's when you, you let the seeds of failure in at that point. Yeah. And I think about it in a sales way. All right. So I think about it, we have to sell X amount of widgets. And if I have to have X amount of widgets sold, then we got to do all this other stuff backed it up. Right. I think the vision of it should be, we, you know, uh, to, the organization, let's say we got 10 sales reps, right? Or 10 yeah, sales reps, and I'm the manager, the, the leadership of that. Obviously, yes, I have to worry about selling X amount of widgets, but my job is to be transparent in the entire process. I've put out the information that X amount of widgets needs to be sold, but I don't need to stay and, and just 
focus on that. If I focus only on that, they're going to realize that all I care about is just selling those widgets. Now, and this, some people may say, well, you know, then we already know what you care about. Do you really? Because if I'm giving focus towards other areas, you know, the problem solving, you know, being open about problem solving to get around different markets or whatever, you know, what can we do to help get around this particular market? Because obviously this market is not very popular in selling these things. What are y'all thinking? You know, that's problem solving or the ability to build the teams easier. Instead of pitting my sales reps against each other, maybe I pull them together more, right? And I, I want them to help each other because it, you know, it's a team type thing or the development of that authentic relationship to actually have a candid relationship with someone and them not worry about our dialogue and how they have to speak with me because that's going to equal to the trust that I talk about. And all those things are going to build to a higher level of performance because they're going to know you can only fake the funk so much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you realize it. I, I, I realized it a while back when I was doing that, I was faking the funk early on because I thought, oh, I can just fake this and make them think this and blah, 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 and they'll do better. But after a while, you, it just drains you. And you're like, crap, I can't, be bu- I can't be burning this candle at both ends. Either I focus on only the mission or I focus on the people, but I, I can't do both at the same time because sooner or later it's, you know, and I realized that. And once I realized that, I shifted my, my focus. And I think this has a lot to do where you and I have talked about where we made a shift in our lives to become better leaders in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I think that was my shift of, I need to care more about the, about people around me and not myself. Right. That's that selfishness that, you know, so, but I mean, that's, that was my look on it. So. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it makes sense to me too, Brian. I mean, and, and we all know self practice and selfishness is not an easy, it's not an easy thing. And that goes back to, we've talked about numerous times, self-awareness, because mm-hmm. sometimes you may think you're being selfish and you're not. So uh, also selfishness is, very important in your marriage as well. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Got to build that transparency, right? <laughs> in our marriages. Yep. <laughs> so we talked about what some of the things that could happen when you become more transparent. That was those five little areas. But let's dive into, we actually have four small, I mean, they're not, it's not a lot of information that we're going to divulge because I, I think you could kind of, I think you could basically uh, rabbit hole this one, but we have four different areas of how you can become more transparent or how, what you can do to assist you in your efforts to be more transparent. Yes. You want to give us number one, bro? Yeah. So number one is build connection through swift and focused frequency. Um, so basically we're talking about one of the biggest takeaways is the importance of holding quick and frequent check-ins or one-on-ones with your team. Trust starts with honest open dialogue and the frequency of that dialogue matters just as much as the content itself. Building trust isn't about intent, but also frequency and detail. Employees need to know that you have their back and that only happens through regular check-ins and or light touch individual communications. So this, I'm gonna go back old school, Brian, and I, I believe, I, I haven't been to the field with you, but I believe you would do this. So I can remember being a art, young artilleryman, 20 year olds, something like that out fresh out of mama's house. And I remember when you went to the field, the first sergeant, it seemed like he spent his whole day walking from howitzer or cannon to cannon talking to the crew. And he would ask you things like, 
you know, hey, how's your family? Are, are you getting settled? What do you think of this cult? Whatever it was, he would have those things. And then he would say, well, you know, if he knew and could tell you, he'd say, hey, you know, uh, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. We're going to be moving tonight. So just kind of trying to get some rest before that happens. So he's basically telling you these things to, and he's building that dialogue and that trust in the organization because he's telling you, Hey, in the middle of the night tonight, we're going to ask you to pull all these tents up, all this netting, pick up your howitzer. We're going to ask you to move a couple miles and reset up. And, and in artillery world, you do not get rest until you're set up at the new location and ready to fire. And I mean, so I think that's one way. And then we've also talked about walk around leadership. And I know this is you. This is Brian. So Brian is working. I'm going to tell I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell your secrets. Brian is working on something, whatever it is, in his office at the NCO Academy, and it's starting to frustrate him, or he's tired of looking at the computer screen, and Brian's going to get up, and he's going to do a stroll. He may go to the latrine, <laughs> but en route to the latrine, he's going to pop his head in, you know, my office or Watt's office, and he's going to stand there for about five to ten minutes, and he's going to go back to his office. But he, that engagement with your organization, with your, with your um, people that work for you, that little bit of getting out of my office because you don't want to be that guy. Oh, he never leaves his office. That's not, that's what you don't want to be. And in the material you provided, Brian, it says, don't be an office hermit. Now, oh, yeah. I have an issue with being a social butterfly at times, but so where I work now, it's, it's excellent because the theater movement center. So the guys that control all convoys and stuff here in Europe, they are two floors down from me. Well, I don't have a latrine on my floor, so I have to go down to their floor to go to the latrine. Well, I can go by the planners who provide me information on these convoys, the people that I work closely with in planning processes. I can stick my head in their office and say, hey, how's it going? What you do this weekend? Oh, I was quarantined. Yeah, me too. Um, and then that that face-to-face time, that builds trust. Yep. And gives me that connection. So I do remember the 90s, though, man, that first time. You didn't see him when we were in Garrison. You hardly ever seen him unless he was in the motor pool. But when you went to the field, he came and visited everybody. And it seemed like that's all he did. Yeah. Um, and I, I like – so I like to – before I – when I'm in the Garrison, I definitely like to make my rounds because then I know we have something to talk about while we're out in the field, right? Because oh. we all we're all going through the same thing while we're out there, we're all dealing with the same stuff. So sometimes it's good to, to me, this is just one of those leader tools, put in your tool bag type thing uh, for those listening. I would like to have stuff that we can conversate. That's not always talking about the situation or Mm. because it takes their mind away from it and it creates candid conversation, which I truly enjoy that. Uh, And I think I really think, Ed, that leads us into the very next one about building transparency into culture. Did I? Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. So employees, they want to work for leaders who are authentic and transparent, who openly seek new solution and ideas. That's part of that problem solving we talked about earlier. Uh, trust takes commitment. Embracing transparency requires leaders to openly share both good and bad news. Yes. Effective communication, listening, and clear quality feedback go a long way in creating a positive and open dialogue. That's communication, right? That's all communication. But you know what I liked in there? We talk about clear and quality feedback because there's multiple times where 
somebody's giving this feedback and you're just like, are you kidding me? Did you think about this on your way in here and you thought it was a good thing to say? <laughs> you know, it, it, you've, you've dealt with that. I know you have. Many leads, they hesitate to be transparent because they worry they'll be viewed as less authoritative or directional as a leader. This is completely false. People want to connect with their leaders. I, I don't know how many different times I've... Uh, I've had a conversation with juniors where they think they need to be this big, tough, solid wall of nothing penetrates me. I am the best, blah, you know. And I'm like, no, man, you got to show, you have to show a little bit of weakness. If you're not able, because if they, this is, this is the thing. If people think that that's what I got to be like, one, they're going to be scared to try to do that. And you're just put, you're just creating fear, right? Two, they are already setting themselves up for failure when with that because they're like, oh, I'll never be able to do that. So now they're not even trying to elevate their performance. They're actually just like, hey, I'm just going to try to get by because there's no way I'm going to do that great. So why not? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, say, I think it's the same way you think, like say with the, the APFT or ACFT ad. Uh, there was a time and point I don't ever remember a time or point in my career where I thought to myself, oh, the minimum is this. I just got to get that. I don't think there was ever a time. Mm -hmm. But I do remember many times in my career uh, where I said, okay, this is the maximum. I want to try to achieve this, but how can, you know, I know I can't do that maximum, but what do I know my maximum is and how can I go five points more? You know what I mean? Like that, to me, that's how I felt. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm also, I, I always dislike the minimum thing. I, I, you know, you get the soldier come to your line and be like, hey, sir, how many push-ups do I have to do to pass? And I don't know. You should have known before you got here. Hope you do them. Um, <laughs> because I don't, but I also didn't do the, so I didn't do the max thing until I got like very close on an event. And I was like, wow, I don't even know what the max is. I don't want to mm -hmm. do extra. What, what's the max? Yeah. Um, which is crazy because I didn't max a, a event in the physical fitness test till I was in my forties. That's ridiculous. Uh, but even when I struggled with the APFT, I didn't worry about minimums. I went out, mm -hmm. I did my very best and you know, and I was one of those guys that used to say, especially in my younger days, Oh, I'm just going to do the minimum and get up. But I truthfully never knew the minimum. So I can't do the minimum and get up. Uh, cause I don't know what it is. So that's kind of weird when you mentioned the APFT. Um, yeah. But I do think, so one of the big things here when we're talking about building transparency in the culture and in material, it says people want to connect with their leaders. And when you talk about the APFT, I think this is the issue with senior leaders not participating in things, whether it be the APFT, a potluck, whatever. Because mm -hmm. even in a business environment, if we have a potluck and the senior leaders aren't participating, see, I want to see my senior leader in an event. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if I go to a formal event like a ball here, you believe me, you notice the senior leaders who aren't present. Yes. Like right off the bat. And I, and I think that that's a missed opportunity for that senior leader to connect with their subordinates because the simple act of being in a receiving line is shaking hands. Uh, last year I went to the ball and uh, General, uh, General Piggy was here and he asked me, uh, oh, who were you with in the, you know, in the in the first cavalry division? I said, oh, first brigade. Now this is a general now, and I'm a sergeant first class. And he says, oh, you were uh, you weren't in the in the best brigade, or no? He says you were in the wrong brigade. I said, 
No, sir. I would argue that you were the one in the wrong brigade if you weren't in first brigade. And he, <laughs> and he gave a sticker about it, but that that's a connection now. See him yeah. a few days later. Guess what? Oh yeah. There you are. That's the first brigade guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this guy's got stars on his chest. I shouldn't even be, but that, that, that's a connection that was built at a social event where senior leaders attended. But, yeah. but so that's one of the things I really, I dislike when senior leaders are like, I'm not going to that. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, and if you're that guy, Brian, I'm sorry, but I just, I think those no. social events are key to connecting with the, not just your peers. I mean, not just your subordinates, but you connect with your peer. It gives you an opportunity to get to know some of your seniors, your peers alike. So I think it's, you know, a good connection activity. So Ed, it's funny that you say that. I used to have that mentality a long time ago, and this was quite. This was long before I met you. Um, well, I no, yeah, it would have been before I met you, but you may have been on the organization. And this was something that was instilled upon me by you know him just as well as I do, Sergeant Major Brian. Uh, <laughs> he would say, "Listen, you guys are seniors. You need to support everything within this organization." that the command has come up with or whatnot. You need to be going to these functions because you are what those soldiers see there. And then they're going to try to emulate that. For instance, leaders have basically have to exhibit behavior. They want their teams to imitate and openly share problems they're facing and lessons they've learned. If I show up, they're most likely going to show up after a while. And I keep, and I keep saying, Hey, you guys going to be there. You're going to be that thing. Instead of saying, Hey, you're going to be there. Hey, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Let's have a, we did it. Um, so two different things. When I was still in Korea, my commander did these two different events. Both of the events were a hit. It was FRG or as it's now SFRG because soldiers family readiness group. Uh, but it was a, one of those SFRG functions. And what he did was is, we had funds because the SFRG has a certain amount of money they use every year that they're they're given to to uh, run things, and it was bowling. So we showed up. He paid for the lanes for an hour, and bought pizza for everyone that was there f- during that hour. And all you had to do was give your two dollars and fifty cents, I think it was, or two dollars seventy five cents, to get a pair of shoes, and you get to bowl for free and eat pizza. Man. Both times we had an unbelievable turnout, but it wasn't something where he and I walked around the organization before and we, we, you know, we ramped it up. We'd talk about it a week prior to two weeks prior, actually, where we walked around and said, Hey, you're going to be there. Instead, we talked about it. We talked about how much fun. And then, I, and then obviously I threw out some friendly challenges as I listen, there's no way any of you are going to beat me. And I'm smoking the commander, by the way, the commander, he was really good at bowling, by the way, he killed me. Um, but, but those are the types of things where we think about it. And then I sat down about two days ago when my new battalion star major and we were having a conversation and his, in that conversation, he was giving me expectations uh, as one of his new first sergeants. And I couldn't agree more with everything he was saying. I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing because what he's saying is exactly how I feel, how Ed and I talk about on the show, all the things I've learned. But one of the things was is mm-hmm. support the organization and be at those functions that is that are set up to show support so your soldiers will imitate the same thing. He said, you know, he's like, I know when my first sergeants aren't doing what they're supposed to. They're showing up late to work, you know, because no one, no one really monitors when the first sergeant shows up, right? No one. 
No one really monitors when the first sergeants get the soldiers do. They see it, but no one says anything, right? No one says no one yeah. no one monitors when I get haircuts. The soldiers may say, "Oh, first one to get a haircut looks like crap," you know. But that's the thing. He says you can tell the way your soldiers are acting by the way the leadership's acting. If if the first sergeant or the commander constantly are late to everything, what do you think the soldiers going to be like? If the first sergeant and commander uh, have a really poor appearance what do you think the soldiers are gonna look like right mm-hmm. they're gonna do what you're doing so i i couldn't agree more so building transparency it ultimately comes down to yes trust and communication but it's the culture that you create and that's how i feel also because once trust is lost it is extremely difficult to rebuild but yeah. how do you get that trust if you don't build it into the culture yeah no that's I, I yeah, that's a hundred percent. And it's funny that you mentioned trust, Brian, because I think trust. Uh, see, I, I'm watching too much Master Chef, man. I believe trust <laughs> plays plays nicely off of number three, which is activate experimentation. Oh, uh, building a foundation of trust with employees requires leaders to create a positive environment where everyone on the team feels empowered to openly speak and problem solve. Great leaders give teams the space, a nominee and feedback they need to be successful with specific projects they are owning. This, Brian, we've talked about this. This is like new sergeant 101. I have to empower that sergeant. I have to let that sergeant, uh, you know, be willing to make a decision. Uh, Now, here's some problem solving, which is true, too. I am there for the problem that the sergeant feels like they're not sure which way to go. I am there to talk them through and not give them the solution. I'm there for them to say, hey, here's the problem. Here's what I'm thinking. And then for me to say, well, did you think about this? Did you think about this agency or this service? And then for them to say, oh, no, you know what? But I do know this church that does, you know, uh, they do a a soup kitchen or they do like meal delivery or something, you know whatever it is, but we have to empower our subordinates to make decisions. Brian, we talked about this many, many times as a Sergeant, I can't be afraid to make a decision because fear of failure prompts behavior that can diminish the effectiveness of my team. Yes. Uh, Yes. So, so that's why it's important to, you know, but at the same time as a new leader, I also have to understand that when I make that poor decision, I need to, be willing to accept responsibility. Don't push off the blame. Just take the responsibility and then we'll talk through what you did wrong, what you did right, how we could do it better. Basically we'll do an AR and we'll work through it. You know, as long as it's not some threat to life, limb or eyesight and, and you know, the results are some catastrophic thing. We can work through it. Um, and, and that to me, that's very important with transparency. I, my soldiers, I want my NCOs to understand you have power. Yes. You're the, you know, especially at our level, Brian, like we're not the frontline guy anymore. We're not the first line supervisor. That first line supervisor has to feel empowered to make decisions and to speak openly and respectfully because of what we, where we work at and in any organization, I imagine business, uh, you still want them to be respectful, but they need to be comfortable enough to do that, Brian. And I, and I think that comes from the trust that you talked about in the culture. Uh, I think that that goes a long way in assisting in this. 
Oh yeah, man. I I I love what you brought up there because I heard you say something about empower, and you said uh, you know, like giving task and stuff. I think that really meshes right into Ed this whole number four and our final point of how to create more transparency. Uh, basically, number four is encourage and empower. All right, so enthusiasm is contagious and it's a force multiplier. I love that idea. To me, if I'm showing lots of energy. Right, and I'm showing excitement to be there and see people. I don't know how many times this has happened to me, but I get that reflected back. Uh, I used to, this. Uh, there's this kid uh, that worked with me in Korea. Um, Keese was his name. Great kid. I'm not going to give his full name, but let's just say last name Keese. Loved that kid to death. Right. Every time I seen him, even because I could, he didn't realize when I was watching it. Right. Sometimes, and I'd see him off in the distance, or something, and then he'd have this kind of like look to his face and I'm like, Keith is down today. I'm gonna go cheer that kid up. Right. So I go over and I would talk to him and I would basically pep him up and, 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 and encourage him to be a better leader and all this stuff. And man, I saw his attitude change. And to me, I think that enthusiasm I showed was helped be contagious to him and create that force multiplier. And then his little crew that he worked with, they were all stellar, energetic kids and they were all S6, right? So they're all communications and stuff, but let's say we're the motor pool and they're doing stuff you don't want to do. You can help, you know, build them up. I give them the end state, right? I encourage them by doing the right thing, and then I empower them to get this end state done. I didn't tell them how to do it. I just said, listen, this is what needs to be done. You make it happen. You figure it out on how you want to do it. I just need this done. And to me, that works. But when it comes to negativity, if I were to, to be very negative towards them, to me, that, and actually, I'm pretty much reading it right there. It says it impacts energy. It mm-hmm. impacts the energy. And optimism, it helps build that. But when you have that negative energy, it decreases their motivation and their productivity by creating stress and pressure. Oh, crap. If I don't get this done, such as I was going to do this, they're going to kill me. I hate that idea of ruling through tyranny or, or, or you know, or, or, you know that, oh. that whole negative toxic leadership, toxic influence type attitude, because that's what you're creating. You're just creating a bad environment. Basically, if we maximize every opportunity we can to find, uh, to provide like a positive encouragement with good empowerment, doing so requires, it basically does require a little effort, but the results are unbelievable. You would be surprised at times, right? Uh, In my experience, um, uh, different soldiers that I've worked with, they find ways to deliver those results beyond expectation. And that is the truth with it comes to uh, doing one thing or another where uh, Alshire, I had this guy, we used to call him Red. That was his, he had red hair. Um, we called him Red, even though his last name was Alshire. And <laughs> I just, I no joke, Ed, all I had to say to him is, Red, I need this or I need this done. That's all I ever said to him sometimes I would have to say, I'd have to add to it, make sure however you get about it, better not be illegal, immoral, unethical, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't that Red was out to do wrong. He wasn't out to do wrong. He was out to provide uh, the necessary um, means of getting the mission done to please leadership. And it's not because he was a people, he wasn't a people pleaser. He wasn't like, he wasn't kissing my butt or anything like that. It was just, he enjoyed 
doing things and getting it done his way and say, look what I got done. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what he was. And he was an amazing soldier. And I mean, it was just fun. But to have that type of delivery uh, beyond expectations from a soldier, to me, it was always, always unbelievable. And you, you got to make sure you express that, though, to them also, right? That, hey, I'm proud or I appreciate you or uh, your accomplishments that you've you've made of this organization. Unbelievable. And to me, that also comes down to, Ed, that attaboys in front of other people. We've said this before um, on multiple occasions about how, you know what? It doesn't matter what type of, whether you're a civilian or you're military, to pull somebody who's been doing an excellent job, who has been getting after, has been doing what they need to, in front of the group of people and say, hey, I want you to know I've recognized such and such for doing X, Y, and Z, and actually stating what they were able to do and accomplish mm-hmm. and say, you know what, we are appreciative of this person. That creates encouragement. That's that encouragement part. I already empowered him to get that mission done. Now what I did is I just encouraged him to do more. And to kind of keep building, and that builds the trust, that builds the transparency, instead of just saying, "All right, hey, get all this done and let it be that." That's that does nothing, Ed. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, the the you do you have to give people, you have to empower them, but I do, you know, I'm big for the praise thing too, just like you. Um, if they have a great performance, and uh, I remember my wife, they did inventories and. She had somebody that, you know, the guy did a really good job and, and he went above and beyond and she came home and she talked to me about it. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And she says, well, I'm going to put him in for accommodation. And uh, so she did. And, you know, long story short, kind of the guy really had been, he had felt overlooked by people within the organization and he thanked her. It was very impactful for her to recognize him with this combination mm-hmm. in front of, you know, the other associates in the store. And, you know, not only, again, leadership capital. Yep. You know, like right now, she called him and said, hey, I, I got bad news. I need you to come in tomorrow morning, you know, first thing. Probably wouldn't even hesitate, the guy, because she paid She paid him already. She gave him that, you know that accommodation and, and built that, that trust and that capital within him that, Oh, she needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's, it's very powerful. You know, we give awards in the military and, and sometimes I, I think at least for a period of time, I remember we were given awards because they needed it for promotion, but that's not the idea of an award. No, but, but when you give them an award and they know they deserve that award, Yep. The the impact on them and the impact on you as the recommender for the award, at least for me, I got some satisfaction out of knowing that Brian did this thing and he is getting what he deserves for going above and beyond to do that task. That that's a gratification for me as the leader as, as well. Um, but it goes a long way. I'm telling you, I had a great crew when we deployed the last time. And a lot of it was, I, if they did a good job, I told them they good, did a good job. If they didn't do a good job, I told them they didn't do a good job and how they needed to improve. And and I think that, uh, and, I, and you know, and I ensured, hey, you know what? You did a really good job. Don't come to work tomorrow. And in Afghanistan, to get a day off, that's insanity. Like, it, you love to have that one day to just chill in your room and just watch, you know, movies. So, I think it was impactful and I think it helped build the the trust and it built the loyalty that I felt like my platoon had for me when we were in Afghanistan on that last trip. Yes, definitely. 
I would definitely tell you <clears throat> that I've, I've felt the same way. And when, as you were sitting there talking about the awards piece, Ed, one of the things that comes to mind to me, uh, and this will be real quick about encouraging people and empowering them, is one of the ones the types of awards we do in the Army that I think people, their chest builds up bigger more than anything is when they get recognized to get a coin. It's funny how you see that because that's usually an instant thing, right? And that to me, although, you know, because let's, let's, let's face it, to do an actual award like Army Achievement Medal or, or Army Combination Medal, those take time. You have to sit down, you have to write a bunch of things, you got to do all this, you got to run through all these edits. But we're talking about the coin. Usually, normally it's like, give me a three-year people that you know have done well. And then what did they do? And I've got to come up with something. Uh, well, such and such, 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 such. They did this, this, and this. I mean, and then that that same person, I hear your coins clattering. <laughs> that same person is going to get out there in front of that formation. And then that commander or whoever is giving them coins is going to say these things or ask that, that or may ask for somebody like to represent them people and say why they deserve that coin. Yeah. And for those to, those soldiers to stand there and hear that, I'm telling you, that is something else. And those of you out there listening, uh, I don't know if you have in your budget, if you're, if you're a part of an organization where you can afford things, I'm not a sponsor for them whatsoever. Uh, but I know Sergeant Major Brian did this sometime back. I still have a bunch of the coins that he had left when I took over for him. He had left that he paid out of his own pocket for uh, that last appointment we're on. Uh, there's an actual uh, company website, uscoins.com. And you can get coins, these coins made up, and you can give them out for people for excellence. Now, I, I would tell you this. You don't just get coins made and just hand them out. That's not the thing. They're a way to recognize people, and then people receive this. I could probably, no, I know for a fact, I have a ton of coins, and I could tell you every single one of them what they were for. Even my very first one, which my very first one was in AIT, and I received it from a transportation sergeant major, and it was because I volunteered to pull KP on Thanksgiving. They asked for volunteers and I volunteered for it. And he wanted to recognize us in front of the people. And that felt amazing. So I would definitely say if you, if you really want to try to do something to kind of create that encouragement and build up, that might be, and they're not cheap, but at the same time, you buy a couple hundred, you know, here and there, you're not going to give out a couple hundred within, you know, it's going to take time, but it's nice to, you know, Hey, such and such received this. I want to give them this for the appreciation of doing X, Y, and Z. You know, um, but you think about it, we have to do, if you really want to build transparency, transparency as a leader, as an influencer within your organization, whatever you're doing, these four things will help. It's build a connection through swift and focused frequency to build transparency into your culture, to activate experimentation and to encourage and empower. So why does this matter? With transparency and trust comes higher levels of performance mm -hmm. when leaders and teams focus on transparent and frequent communications, authentic relationships develops naturally, right? That, that's a key. It develops naturally. It's not being forced. It's not a forcing function. If people can tell if you're being very scripted or very um, fake, I, Nothing's worse than somebody walks up to me who doesn't talk to me ever at all and says, so how's the kids and wife? First thing is, I don't know you. I'm not telling you about my personal life. That's what's in my head. Instead, I answer with, oh, they're fine, right? And people, people know exactly what I'm talking about, right? 
With a foundation of trust, people work better together and develop faster as a team. We talked about that earlier. Making it much easier to build momentum. And that's what you want. You want momentum in an organization. And it'll help you retain performing employees and attract new talent because everybody wants to be on the winning team. In that sense, that's part of the reason why I'm here in Colorado. I want to be a part of a winning team. Uh, I was offered a chance to come out here. I took it. Uh, But Ed, other than that, you have anything else you want for the listeners to know about? Well, you know, this is crazy because this episode was one that I was like, okay, I can kind of see it, but I thought it flowed really nicely today. I thought we went over some good stuff. I thought we reinforced some things that we went over before. Uh, that's why I whipped out the old Great Leaders Have No Rules book. Uh, I thought it reinforced some things that we discussed on that episode about transparency. Because remember, both of us had an issue with the whole idea of it says to uh, reveal everything, including salaries. And we were both kind of like, eh. I don't want to reveal. Yeah. I mean, ours is open source, but you know, in a business. So, um, man, it feels good to be back on though, Brian. How about you? Doesn't it? Oh man. I, to tell you the truth, I feel like I have tons of, uh, serotonin and oxytocin pumping through my veins right now (laughs) because I get to be on here with you and talk to our listeners like this. Well, I can tell you, we got about, uh, oh, we got about 18 months before we'll have to do another transition period. So, uh, we got some time to plan ahead to get some episodes in the old bank <laughs> before that period of time. Actually, I'm supposed to notify my branch uh, next month. I'm supposed to start a dialogue with my branch to mm-hmm. maybe maybe leave Europe. I'm not really – I don't want to leave Europe. I definitely don't want to go to Italy, but I don't want to leave Europe. So we'll see well, how that goes. <laughs> keep your eyes open for good old Colorado. We'd love to have you here. Man, it's so far. Oh, it's far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Ed, I got a I got a little task here. It's not really much, um, but then I think you may have some closing information you need to provide the listeners so they know where to find us. But uh, task, task for today's episode, episode 67. Listen, sure. the best way for to allow us and help us to be more transparent to others so they can learn more from what we're trying to present is to share this information with others. So what do I mean by share? That doesn't mean like, hey, go on there and just share the link to listening. I mean, actually talk to people about this. Have a conversation with people. Uh, it could be somebody, a good friend of yours, could be somebody you work with and say, hey, have you ever listened to this? This is what they talked about. This is what I learned from it. So you can share the episode if you want, or you can actually share the information and then say where you got the information from. Um, that's part of that transparency. For instance, what we're doing is we, at some point, Ed and I are creating some type of capital with you. You continue to listen to us for a reason. And, and it may be just because you like the sound of Ed's voice. That's why I keep coming back. Um, but awesome. <laughs> but it's the fact that you're listening. If you share that with somebody else, have a conversation about transparency with a, somebody within your organization. That helps. If you're in a leadership position, you're in a management position, and you're a supervisor, it's a good thing to talk about these things. It allows you to be more transparent and be more candid. And people don't people won't see you as just some fake leader uh, down the road. They'll get another one down the road, and it just you build that relationship that way. Other than that, Ed, what can you tell our listeners about how to find us, my man? Oh boy, it's been a while, Brian. Our listeners. 
our listeners, they can check us out on various platforms of social media to include Facebook, the Twitter, and Instagram at 101 Influence. They could check us both out. We have our individual Twitter accounts. I was doing good at monitoring mine, and then I kind of slacked off a little bit, but we'll get back to it. <laughs> and then we also have our website, uh, the Instinctive Influencers website. You can check us out there. And we would appreciate that for our listeners, if you have not done so, you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. And then, Brian, I have one more thing. So I, I recently spoke to Sarah through uh, email. Uh, and Sarah told me that, you know, she was a listener of the podcast and she wasn't a listener and she listened to an episode and now she's going back and listening to them all. Yeah. And I told her that's good because there's an Easter egg somewhere. You are mentioning those podcasts, Sarah. So yes, she is. Uh, yeah. She also said that her highlight is when the, the general shows up on the podcast. So it, it, well, I did. So it's this funny thing while I was on leave and I was back in Tennessee and this is during, you know, we hadn't spoke since then. I did have lunch with her Furman, uh, beer ninja, and then Mr. Butler. Uh, she said also another highlight is how we like to talk about Mr. Butler and his eating habits. Uh, so <laughs> which I thought was fun. but she did mention that she has picked up the Kevin Cruz book. Uh, those of you who We've we've done two episodes on the Kevin Cruz book, uh, Great Leaders Have No Rules. Great book. You can listen to the episodes and or buy the book. Uh, once again, we don't get any kickback for that, but is pretty freaking cool. Uh, but Sarah, thanks for listening. And all of those yeah. you out there, there's a lot of other people we want to name. Um, but give us a give us a review on Facebook. I think that's a good place to start, too. You know? Yeah. I mean, we can always uh, use use a new review. Um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on the Facebook, uh, podcast, promote your podcast page as well. So if any of them are listening, uh, we appreciate your reviews as well. Thanks for, for giving a listen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I'm rusty, Brian, but I think I got it all out there. That's okay. We'll, we'll be recording again here tomorrow. So, or next day or next week, whatever, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll put it. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, I am Brian and I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencer Podcast. Remember, transparency is what allows you to help your organization to become better than what you received it. Can we get a coin a coin clash there, Ed? And then get some coins out. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.